Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another edition of Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus. Janine, what's going on with you this week? How are you? Hey, Walter, it is great. I'm having a great day because it is gorgeous outside. It's early fall. (laughs) Glad to hear it. Yes, it's a good time of year as we record uh, today's episode. It's just one of those days where we pick the wrong day to record. I think, Janine, we should be outside today. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to be on the bike because it is beautiful. I do. I love working on uh, on the screened-in porch during days like this. You know, when I do audio editing and other podcasty stuff, I'll go out on the porch and set up my laptop and a little monitor and kick back and just enjoy a beautiful day like this. But a little harder to record outside because we got birds chirping and all sorts of stuff going on out there. So. <laughs> a lot of background noise. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Can't really do that on our porch, but it's nice to have one of those. We had a phenomenal storm a couple of days back. Oh, really? Yeah, and I really missed you know having a covered porch that i could go out and sit and watch it's our favorite thing to do oh man we love it we've (laughs) we have lived on that back porch Uh, as soon as we stopped being you know stifling upper 90s we were we yes. were out on that porch every night. We've probably gone five or six or seven straight weeks now of just hanging out on that porch every oh, single that's night. That's nice. So, yeah, it's yeah. been been very nice. We've been enjoying it for sure. Uh, well, we've got a great show on the way today. We're going to talk a little bit about busting big financial myths. So there's these myths in the financial world that are believed by a lot of people, maybe even you. If you're listening to today's show, uh, it's going to be a two-part series. We're going to talk about a couple of the myths on today's show. Then we'll take a break. And next program, we'll talk about uh, a few more myths. So we're going to kind of do a little series on busting financial myths here. So we're going to talk about that on today's show. We've got a, a good question from Tom that we're going to feature a little bit later as well as we open up the mailbag. Tom's wondering about annual return in retirement. So we'll talk to him about that as well. We're going to see what's happening in the news in a moment in addition to that. But first, I thought it'd be fun this week to start a little different. Janine, let's get a quote of the month to set things up for you this week. It's kind of set the tone for today's show, okay? Okay. This one comes to us from Malcolm Forbes. Uh, Malcolm Forbes said, I made money the old-fashioned way. I was very nice to a wealthy relative right before he died. <laughs> The old-fashioned way, right? That would that yeah that'd be great. Uh, what you see today is everybody going. It's a what is it? A food fight or it's a the free for it's all the shark shark yeah it's a free for all shark infested water half the time when a wealthy relative leaves money if they don't do it right. <laughs> yeah, it causes nothing but problems uh, when these things happen these days. That's for sure. But yeah. it does kind of bring up an interesting conversation though, because you hear a lot of the time people will say, "Well, I, I want my last check to bounce," versus a relative who leaves you know a lot of money to the family. There's seems to be quite the split between folks who, you know, want to leave that legacy to the next generation and then others who, you know, would rather kind of spend it all in retirement. Yeah. And it's really, you know, interesting, at least in this area, you have a lot of parents who paid for tuition for their kids. 
and as far as they're concerned, that's the legacy. Yeah. So they don't have any interest in leaving a legacy. And I always say, well, you might want to reconsider that when grandkids come along because it tends to change the scenario or the, you know, the dynamics. But, you know, trying to time that exactly to having that check bounce is a little more difficult than it seems. <laughs> yeah, it's it does then underscore the ability to have a good plan in place to handle what's going to happen to all that money that might be left over if you do pass away. So, and like you said, it's hard to time out all that stuff. But anyway, yeah. thought it was a good, uh, a good thinker to start off today's podcast. All right, let's see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. So interesting headline from the news here, Janine, from a couple of weeks ago, Uber Eats. Okay, so Uber is, uh, you know, the car ride share company where you can, you know, everybody knows what Uber is, I think, these days, where you call it up on your app and you bounce around to different areas and, you know, drivers take you wherever you want to go, kind of like a taxi. Well, they also started delivering food, so they call it Uber Eats, so you can get your food delivered by Uber now. But now they're running a test program in San Diego where they fly food to customers using drones. Curious your thoughts on this. Should we be excited or terrified by this kind of technology and the progress that we're seeing with drone deliveries and food deliveries and these kinds of things? You know, it makes sense it would happen in California because it's one big, huge parking lot. So if you want your food delivered, it might take a little longer. It's a good place Um, for the pilot program, right? Yeah, it's a good place for the pilot program. Me, I'm a little bit terrified by it, not necessarily of technology, but, you know, these good ideas, there's a lot of bugs to be worked out. Not that we want to associate bugs and food, but yeah, I suppose it could work, but it's going to depend so much on the, the setup of the drone and how big and what it looks like and how they're operating. And, and I'm sure they'll get that all down. And I guess it could work. It's just if you want your food hot, <laughs> I guess it depends on how far away you're ordering it. So that could be a, an issue. I don't know. I have mixed emotions about that. I think I'd rather see a person at my door than the drone. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I kind of uh, I kind of see these as uh, the, the drone phase right now and the robots as kind of those elements of change that we're all really resistant to. But then once we get used to it, we'll become more comfortable with it. You know, that doesn't mean it's not going to come with problems, right? Like picking up a smartphone, like, you know, oh, right. scary new technology. Oh, this is, you know, this is weird. And then we all get very used to it and see the benefits of it. But, but it also has come with lots of problems. And, you know, we just have to continue to kind of problem solve the issues that arise when these things happen but i don't know i'm more comfortable with that than like the self-driving cars oh i would totally agree with that there are still a lot of programming issues to be worked out with self-driving cars and me personally i mean i've talked to my husband who's a techie guy about this and he says they're actually making very good progress but i don't really want a computer making a decision that i might need to make in a moment's notice yeah even though i know the computer is supposed to be assessing you know, 360 what's happening. Sometimes the human gut reaction is the right one. Mm-hmm. And that's right out of iRobot, you know, in that scene where the robot chooses him and not the girl. Right, right, yeah. And and his whole argument for why that was wrong. I don't know, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... It's definitely an interesting debate for sure. So I don't know what it's going to look like in a couple of years. We're probably going to be living in a very different world with drones buzzing all around our heads and, uh, and you know, robots opening doors for us. It's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think if you get, I mean, there's going to have to be some limit to how many drones you have in the air and at what altitude, et cetera, et cetera. 
because otherwise you're just going to end up with crashes. The robot thing concerns me from just what I've seen, how we treat the very, if you want to call them early robots that are getting into a lot of our homes now, the assistants, you know, the Google assistants and the Alexas and those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From what yeah. I've seen, we're very rude to those things. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, the people whose, whose homes I've been in who have those devices they treat those devices, and I know this sounds weird, but they treat those devices like crap, you know, calling it stupid, yelling at it, talking to it rude, not asking please. There's no, like, polite button on these things, right? So it's it's always making demands every single time you make a request. Well, is that going to continue when these robots take on more human forms, but you know it's a robot and you have to just give it commands? But then I feel like that's going to be more pervasive and carry over into our society, and we're already becoming a less polite society, so... Oh. Oh, I think that's absolutely already happened. Yeah. Where you it have, just concerns uh, me I mean, when I see kids going, yeah. Alexa, you know, <laughs> do this. No, you stupid thing. Don't play that. Play this. I don't know. It's just weird. I found it very bizarre when I've been in homes where that's been the conversation. Yeah, that is a good point. Out. My parents have one. My brother gave them, and I don't like it. Of course, they, they're funny with it. But the fact that you've got a computer tied to some other central processor that someone else actually controls. Because if you have an emergency event, you can go through Alexa to call 911. And there are a lot of reports of, you know, Alexa's listening in and things that they <laughs> have been recorded. I don't know. People, are they really willing to give up that kind of privacy? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, there's a privacy issue. There's a lot of issues that come with it. So not to get yeah, too far so, off track, but yeah. But I mean, we, so it don't goes back to technology. Technology is great, but we need to be in control of us, you know, people. But we also need to be in control of what we're actually doing with some of this technology. Yeah. and who has access. There will be an interesting debate one day. I'm telling you it's going to happen one day of like robot rights and yeah. <laughs> and treating robots with respect. There will be classes and instructions and movements on social media about treating robots with respect and it's going to be an interesting thing to watch I think as that evolves. It may not be next year, but it'll be it'll, at some point. There's oh, there's man. there's going to be <laughs> things like that out there, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't get uh, we'll get off the soapbox for now and turn the page into busting some financial myths. So put on your myth-busting hat as we take inspiration <laughs> from the old show that used to take all those crazy myths and, and bust them on TV. Did you ever watch that program? Oh, yeah, that's a pretty cute show. It's great show. I loved some of the things <laughs> that they explored there. So on today's episode, we're going to do part one of this conversation where we'll look at some of the most widely believed financial myths and try to bust them wide open. The scary thing here, Janine, is that a lot of people base their financial plans on some of these myths. And so we don't want our listeners to be like that. Um, and, and I'd be willing to bet that some folks will hear one of these myths and go, yeah, that's true. Or yeah, that's what I believe. Or that's what I do. Uh, we're going to tell you why these myths are a little bit dangerous and why you're going to want to move away from them and, you know, get back to your truth. That's the saying these days, right? Your truth. Your, yeah. Li li live your truth. We're going to live the financial truth on today's show. Financial truth. Right. First one on the docket for today, shifting from stocks to bonds removes the volatility from your portfolio. Why is that a myth? Well, I would say, one, it depends. Timing is everything. When most people are not very good at timing, the market move. And usually when people shift from stocks to bonds, which I have a chart that shows the market going up from 2009 to 2013, as the market is moving upward in that time frame, you know, billions of dollars are leaving the market because you've got zigzags, market movements that scare people. So when people are typically moving from stocks to bonds, they're in panic mode. I have to move to safety. I have to move to safety. Well, the reality is the type of bond you're moving to may not be that safe. 
And if it's a long bond, they tend to have swings when the interest rates changes, the prices. So if interest rates go up, prices drop significantly. Can you afford to lose the pricing on your bonds in your portfolio. Typically, if you move to, let's say, all bonds or the majority bond portfolio, the inflation alone is going to eat into the purchasing power of the money that you're taking income from, that bucket. So the volatility becomes relative to interest rates, inflation, taxes, where the portfolio is located, and how long you have left to live. So, I mean, it doesn't really necessarily remove volatility. There's still volatility unless you're moving into treasuries because there's not a lot of volatility with treasuries. But the only security that outpaces inflation is equities or stocks. So if you're moving completely out or a majority share out of stocks and equities, you're compromising your future income because you've done something out of fear. Yeah. It's one of those things where the long held belief has been that you get out of stocks and move into bonds is sort of an automatic thing in retirement. And we've just seen time and time again that that's, you know, not necessarily the case. That's why you can't take this as a fact or truth, because there's going to be cases where that it's not going to work for somebody. Right. And, you know, the I think the old rule, which is the rule of 100, is subtract your age from 100. And that's the amount of percentage that you should have in stocks. Well, if you have a properly diversified and allocated portfolio, you don't have to do that because um, people are living past 100. And if that's you, you don't want to be outliving your money because there are going to be demands on your money, healthcare, facility care, whatever, in the out years you're going to need potentially. So if you're interested in not outliving your money because people are living to 100 or 105 in some cases, then you need to have a proper portfolio that's going to get you the income you need in the out years. And if you panic and move to bonds without a clear strategy and reason to do it, you're compromising, not just into the future, but potentially in the next three years or five years. That's a great point, Janine. So again, myth number one on today's show, shifting from stocks to bonds removes the volatility from your portfolio, not going to necessarily be the case. Another myth, Janine, once you're retired, life insurance is no longer necessary. How many times have you heard somebody come into the office with that belief? Oh, frequently. And it doesn't help that some bigs on the radio perpetuate that because what is the most common phrase when it comes to life insurance that people hear? By term, invest the difference. So you get to age 60 or 65 and you know you have to then look at your spouse and go, okay, by the way, I'm dropping my life insurance. <laughs> and, and maybe your portfolio is not where you thought it was going to be or you haven't saved enough. What you've done is compromise your survivor benefit, basically. A lot of people think they don't need life insurance in retirement because they haven't really considered what happens at a death. And yes, somebody's gonna inherit a portfolio, but is that enough in terms of income draw? Plus, let's just say you're, the people are over 66. You're basically reducing down to one income from social security. So you've gone from two potentially to one, and now you've got to take an income draw on whatever the portfolio is. And if the life insurance comes in tax-free and provides additional income for people, so they're not really looking at that. I had a young guy tell me years ago, she can just go back to work. And I said, <laughs> Have you asked her me? about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, said, I looked at her and I said, so you've got, at the time, this was years ago, I said, you've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. How about you go back to work? <laughs> When she dies. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> you about that? He, he didn't like that. But, the, you know, the whole people tend not to think of what that extra 
bucket of money or that comes in tax-free, income tax-free, is going to do for the ability to pay off college or to help your children and grandchildren in later years and to make sure that the surviving spouse is not going to be impoverished, which is the whole reason for the life insurance. Yeah, it's a great point. Great illustration, too, of where life insurance in retirement can play a crucial role and be very helpful and why it's a myth that just because you've retired doesn't mean you need to get rid of your life insurance or that that's the wise thing to do. Many times it's very useful to have it in retirement. You can use it in lots of unique ways at that time, more than just the traditional method of, you know, just replacing a lost income. There become some other things that you can do with it, which is kind of neat that it can be reutilized. I mean, you know, one example of that is if you've got permanent life insurance and it's still on the books, it's in your 70s, et cetera, then, then you can potentially sell it, which they'll give you cash for. The right company will give you cash for that. So that's a pretty good deal. Yep. That's a great point as well. All right. One more uh, financial myth here on today's show, and then we'll have part two of this conversation uh, on the next episode with some more myths. Uh, Myth number three, you'll need less income when you're retired than you need while you're working. And I always ask, where are you going to be living? Because that will matter substantially. Most people are not replacing current income in retirement with other sources of income. In this area, it's pretty common for couples to be making, you know, and I'm talking people over 50 generally that are making 200,000 a year. I mean, the median income in in our county is 120,000. So when you're talking about two couples and then you think, well, because my question to folks is, so have you done a budget? What can you live on? What is okay? What are you okay with living on? Because that can change the equation. So folks need to really think about what that income is when they have to step down from 200,000 to maybe 100,000 in retirement. We do have a lot of people with pensions in this area and that's a huge bonus for people, but that's not everybody. And you really need to go through and see what is the income that you're going to be comfortable with, which is usually everyone's challenge. If I'm used to living on 14,000 a month, can I live on five or six? Big question mark for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. Yeah, and some people want to increase their lifestyle in retirement just due to the travel and that kind of thing. It's not always about decreasing. Oh, exactly right. So, and that's, you know, usually part of the question and answer and sharing is, you know, what do you want to do in retirement? Because most people need to plan for any of those activities before about the age of 75. Now, if you're in really great shape, maybe you can do it to 80. (laughs) But most people are not going to you know, travel to Europe and do river cruises in their 80s. So if you're going to travel, you need to plan for that extra expenditure in your retirement income planning. Otherwise, it's just not going to be there or you're not going to go on the $5,000 trip. You might go on the $1,000 trip, which means down to see the kids. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so not a bad not, thing. Not it's Europe. Just, yeah, it's not Europe. <laughs> So the question is really, do you need less income or are you going to have to live with less income? So you need to look at what it is actually going to cost you to live in the area in which you want to retire. Because it's going to be very different if you retire in Maryland versus Florida versus Ohio, which the cost of living in Ohio is very minimal compared to here, taxes being the big difference. But there are a lot of factors that affect that. 
so many different little moving parts in the retirement planning process. We've covered just a few of the common myths that people will often base their financial plans off of and make major financial decisions from. We want to make sure that you aren't doing the same thing. Make sure that you're getting great financial guidance. And if you haven't worked with Janine Theus and the team at Theus Wealth Advisors before, now would be a good time to reach out, especially if you identified with one of these myths as being something that you've believed before. Give her a call at 443-718-6311 to get in touch. That's 443-718-6311. And always online at TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. You can get the Retirement Rescue Toolkit there on the website. Learn a little bit about what's going on in the financial landscape. Important things to remember when it comes to planning for retirement. That toolkit is packed with a book, an audio CD, DVD, and other reports. You can get that again by checking the show notes of today's episode or on the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. That's part one of our conversation on some of the biggest financial myths out there. Hopefully we busted a few of those for you. And we'll, on part two of this series, next episode, break down a couple of more myths as well. It's getting to know you time. Well, that sound means it's time to get to know Janine Theus a little bit better on today's show. And uh, fun questions for Theus each time around. All right. You ready, uh, ready, Janine? I'm ready. All right. This one's a good one. Who's somebody that always makes you laugh? Could be personal connection, famous comedian, actor, actress, anybody. My husband. Okay, good. Well, that <laughs> makes is, for which fun. Which is why we're... Fun so, home front. So, yeah. Yeah, so compatible, I suppose. Because I know a lot of couples will, you know, relate to this. I mean, you're on a tear. You're running through the house. You've got a million things in your head. And you're trying to get a whole bunch of stuff done. And then my husband from the other room will make some comment and I will just melt into laughter because it's so funny. And oh, he does good. that to me all the time. So I guess that makes for a good relationship. It does. But, yeah. It does. You guys have lots of good in, inside jokes, that kind of thing. Humor only you two feel like you would get. Oh, uh, well, you know, part of it is just it's um, circumstantial. It's just something in the moment. And I, I can't even remember offhand, but I will just be in a knot about something. And he'll just make this very pointed or whatever a comment. And I will just dissolve into laughter because it's just too funny and it you have to, obviously you have to have the ability to laugh at yourself oh sure oh you won't make it through a marriage if you can't laugh at yourself I don't yeah think. so that's our big secret is you know the ability we, for both of us to just laugh at each yeah. other and ourselves so that's fantastic we, yeah that's great to hear uh, no no further explanation needed on that one that's uh, <laughs> great when you have somebody that makes you laugh right next to you most of the time so yep. that's fantastic yep. well there you go uh, getting to know Janine Theus a little bit better and it's the good old hubs that makes her laugh all the time all right now it's time <laughs> to answer one of your questions on today's show it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you well, as we wrap up today's show, it's time for the mailbag, and we'll get a question here from Tom to wrap up the week. Tom says, Janine, what kind of annual return should I be seeking on investments in retirement? That's a tough one because there's not a singular answer to the question because it depends on how many accounts you have, how much you have in retirement, what age are you? If you're retiring at 55, it's different than retiring at 65 or 70. There's no such thing as an average return. It's gonna depend on what's in your portfolio and how it's allocated. Most people when they get into retirement are more concerned about income. So how do you get 
relatively predictable income, an income that is able to grow with a COLA, if you will. And it's either one you build into the portfolio or you're scheduling it through the use of some insurance product. So the annual return is a relative point and it's going to move depending on the year and where you are in your retirement planning. So I can't say it should be 12 or 5 or 6. It's also one of those kinds of things that makes me wonder, and, and this isn't to pick on Tom, but it's almost like you're focusing on the wrong question. You may just be curious, Tom, but if it's the, like, let's say this is your central question about retirement, it's kind of like you're focusing on the wrong things in a way. Well, yeah, and, and, and actually for a lot of guys that are, say, engineers, they're going to do some this whole spreadsheet mechanism they've got going on. You can plug in different interest rates. So if you have different interest rates, but the other factor that is a big factor is your withdrawal rate. It's hard to say that word. Withdrawal rate. With, because do it like a, get, like a Southerner's withdrawal rate. <laughs> withdrawal rate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you, I mean, you can say, I want a 7% you know, rate of return. Great. But if my withdrawal rate exceeds what the interest rate you know, is going to happen, then I'm going to bleed that portfolio pretty quickly mm-hmm. or a little faster than you would expect. And there is no such thing as a linear return. That's why sequence of returns is more a threat to portfolios than pretty much any other thing. Sequence of returns and withdrawal rate. Interesting. Great question, Tom. Thanks for submitting that one to us. Hopefully that gives you some food for thought and some things to think about. That's definitely a hard answer to question directly, but that gives Mm -hmm. you some of the uh, ideas of the other moving parts that are involved in the process. If you have questions like Tom or questions on anything we discussed on today's show, or if you've got a suggestion for a future topic, we'd love to hear about it. Get in touch. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. That's 443-718-6311. Janine Theus is our financial commander here on the show, serving you in the Columbia, Howard County areas. Uh, You can get in touch on the website as well, theuswealthadvisors.com. For links to all that good stuff that we've talked about on today's show, references, resources, the blog post that corresponds with today's show, important timestamps, check the show notes in whatever podcasting app you're using or on the website, theuswealthadvisors.com. Lots of great information for you there to dive into some of the other things that we talked about on today's program. Janine, thanks for all your help, and we'll look forward to part two of our Busting Financial Myths conversation and podcast next week. Thanks so much, Walter. Really enjoyed it. it. That's Janine Theus. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time back on Your Financial Mission.